0: This is the Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. This time we're talking about Moon Knight, Episode 1. That thing's about to break through no. the door. We're out of time.
1: No. All right, no.
0: hey, Stop listen to me. Stop this. Look at no. me. No. Look this at me. Is
1: not
0: real. This is no. real. I'm real.
1: No. no, you're not real. Yes. No,
0: Steven, you got to give me control. It's the only way.
1: God, oh, God. Stella, Steven. Look, I'm going to die.
0: You're not going to die. Let me save us. Welcome back, fellow defenders. Maybe some Moody's. And possibly some loodies. We're here on TV Podcast Industries talking about Moon Knight Episode 1. I'm one of your
1: hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Defenders. I am one of your other hosts, John.
2: And much like the three phases of the moon. Well, there's probably more. (laughs) I am Chris, but...
0: <laughs> yeah, you should have done some research before that, intro, yeah. Chris, I think there's yeah. about twelve phases of the moon or yeah. more.
2: Well, it's <laughs> like isn't that like kind of like the the Mercury's in retrograde while the moon is like upside down doing a yoga pose like downward dog or some weird stuff.
1: Um, um, yes. I, I, I'm definitely not <laughs> up on up on that at all. <laughs> yeah, I think you've just made that up, Chris. I think you might.
2: To be fair, I make a lot of stuff (laughs) up.
0: I I think it's probably the excitement. Uh, We always get excited when we're covering a new show at this time. is uh, probably one of the most exciting we've had because we've probably been waiting for Moon Knight for the longest of all of the shows we've covered. We've been excited about Moon Knight getting his own series probably about three or four years now. Yeah, There were rumors all the way back to the Defenders on the Netflix shows that we would see some kind of... uh, Sighting of Moon Knight back then. That is true. There was yeah. talk
1: that one of the taxi drivers was Mark Spector. Yes. And it could have been. It could have been. But then <laughs> they decided to do it this way. <laughs> maybe not Mark Spector,
0: but one um, of Yeah,
1: maybe not Mark Spector. Or whether it was Frenchie or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are
0: the other identities uh, of Moon Knight? We will talk about uh, some of those as we get through the rest of the series. We hope you've watched the first episode of Moon Knight because we're going to be going spoiler filled into the show as we go through our discussion about this episode. If you've never joined us on TV Podcast Industries before, We've been podcasting for about eight years now about loads and loads of TV shows, including all of the Marvel Defenders shows that uh, aired originally on Netflix are now available on Disney Plus for your viewing pleasure uh, right now. So we have uh, covered all of those. We've covered every single MCU Disney Plus show from WandaVision to Falcon Winter Soldier, What If, Loki, Hawkeye and now Moon Knight.
2: Yes, and we'll be covering the rest of the MCU slate going into 2022 with all the Disney Plus shows like She-Hulk and What If Season 2 and the June upcoming Miss Marvel also will be covering in May. All roads have led to this thing. Something is coming. A sequel that one of our hosts may be very, very happy about. Yes,
1: I'm very happy. Mm-hmm. Very happy. Multiverse of madness. Multiverse of madness. But who's um, multiverse? Well, God only knows. Um, but I think with, uh, with Moon Knight, with Doctor Strange multiverse of madness, this is like... So fantastic, because it's just all the lovely, weird, wonderful, historic stuff going on. Mm. Well, maybe not so much historic in Doctor Strange, but certainly here. And, you know, uh, supernatural, shall we say. Yes, yes, so absolutely. Fantastic. Love that side of um, the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I'd love to see a bit of uh, Midnight Suns as well mm. going on. Uh, that could... Be an interesting team up,
0: it certainly could be, and uh, we've already heard Oscar Isaac is definitely up for joining the Midnight Suns yes. with his version of Moon Knight. So, and
1: of course, with Moon Knight being in London, we have the Black Knight as well from Eternals, which you know he resides in London, he
2: does, Dane
1: Whitman, yeah, MI6 vibe, um, mercenary vibe. You know, who yeah. knows where the connections might lead to. So um, this is opening up a whole new little zone in the MCU, I guess.
0: Absolutely. And we may even see Dane Whitman in an upcoming episode of Moon Knight. Uh, We we don't know yet. We don't know yet. We've only watched the first episode of Moon Knight, so we will not be spoiling any more episodes of Moon Knight after uh, our discussion here. We'll only be talking about the first episode. Rumors that more than one episode will be released on the 30th of March uh, as it stands right now. but. But as we normally do, we will only be talking about the first episode. We will not be talking about anything uh, other than that. So don't worry, you can enjoy this one if you've only just watched episode one. Uh, Quickly just want to say, well done for your nerd call out of Chris there, John. When Chris said, whose multiverse of madness was it? And you went, well, we don't know that yet because the movie's called Doctor Strange. In the Multiverse exactly. of Madness, not Doctor Strange's Multiverse of Madness. So nice nerd call I like it. Uh, let's get into our chat about Moon Knight. <laughs> <laughs> when well, we start off the cast really quickly, uh, the cast for the show is uh, reasonably small, actually. Uh, yeah, possibly because one person is playing a lot of characters in the show. <laughs> that one person is Oscar Isaac, who's playing Steve Grant, uh, Mark Specter, and Moon Knight in the show. Ethan Hawke plays Arthur Darrow. F. Murray Abraham is that voice that you hear the voice of Kanshu that you hear uh, throughout the episodes. May as plays Layla, who you uh, have heard at least on the phone uh, in the first episode. And Lucy Thackeray plays the wonderful boss of uh, Stephen Grant in The Gift Shop, Donna. Um, Donna? Yeah. Donna? I have to call her out right, because she plays the perfect she kind does, of office level, uh, the, the <laughs> office level, the uh, office level character. I think uh, really, 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 really enjoyed her in, the, in yeah. the episode. The executive producers for the episode are Kevin Feige. <gasps> <laughs> Louis Desposito, Victoria <gasps> Alonso Greg Curtis, Brad Winderbaum Oscar Isaac Mohamed Diab and Jeremy Slater
2: Yeah, they, they really buffed out the, the producers on this one a, a bit of the writing <laughs> credits, a bit of the, the directorial, a bit of the, the, the overall
0: showrunners,
2: as much as they we have showrunners in the MCU Disney Plus shows, and then the, the Oscar Isaac getting a producing credit Yeah, it's really good
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. There seems to be a way that they've been encouraging major talent onto the shows. Um, we saw that with Loki. That uh, yeah, Tom Hiddleston had a producer credit on that show as well.
2: Well, with that one, I with that one, I yes, exactly. We did see that, and that that one it kind of made sense to me because he had been owning a character for the guts of three films <laughs> and this
0: show. Ten years, uh, yeah. yeah like 10 years
2: so i he had he has a very much a hand in the creation tweak and delivery of (laughs) this character and the growth with the the moon knight oscar isaac obviously has put a lot into this because absolutely interestingly enough like they they had they didn't do this with elizabeth olsen on one division straight up um to Mm. my recollection so this is obviously he, yeah, like you said, it's probably a good way to get some of the more A-list talent to come into the MCU where there is sometimes, uh, potentially quite long expectations on contracts.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, or the, at least the ex, I know they're not doing multi, or it's alluding to that they're not doing multi-film deals as big anymore. Um, but now at least. They are maybe just going, hey, come in, and we'll give you producer credit on this, you'll get more money, and you know what, And maybe we'll do The Midnight Sun soon, or maybe you do Moon Knight Season 2, or maybe you're in this film, like, et cetera, etc. cetera.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm sure there's still a bit of, you know, you can be or will be in a film or other series. I'm sure that's still yeah. in the contract, but, but it's good to see them being put down uh, as producers and being involved like that so <laughs> yeah really they're, they're
0: certainly definitely not just being put down no, as producers. I, you know what I mean? we, we know oscar yeah. isaac was heavily involved yeah, in the exactly. creation of this character and his his version of it and his take on this role was definitely involved in there the announcement of kevin feige for this season of shows the shows that are coming up this year the ones you mentioned chris are all that these shows will begin on tv and we will move into the movies miss marvel we know is going to appear in captain marvel 2 um, the marvels the marvels now uh, that has now been called uh we will see moon knight appear in movies in the future apparently um so uh, that's the expectation we'll see she-hulk in the future as well this that, that was how they were announced by kevin foggy for this phase of, uh, of marvel tv for this year
2: hopefully as long as it goes well <laughs>
0: I did mention there one of the executive producers, Mohamed Diab, is also the director of this episode. Uh, Diab is an acclaimed Egyptian director with a number of award-nominated movies under his belt. Uh, This is his US directorial debut, and he has promised to deliver a modernized and modified version of Egyptian culture that will work in the MCU. So they've been consulting with him directly as he's been doing a lot of filming and is, of course, Egyptian himself. So they've been consulting with him on the look and feel of the show.
1: Yeah, that's really good. I mean, just in terms of, you know, the modern egyptian culture but also just having someone like that who is a resource and fountain of knowledge on the egyptian history and, and the gods i suppose mm-hmm. uh, is is really good yeah
2: yeah the duality of egypt the the old and the new um in one um and yeah his his uh, he he is acclaimed and i think he really is his his uh egyptian work is huge Yes, huge. Yes. For for someone like myself, who, who's not deep, deep into the award seasons and the films, this would be like, this for me is his kind of coming out party. Um, <laughs> but I, I do understand he like has broken in in many other ways, but it is, yes, very much his US directorial kind of debut. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a lot of people, maybe his just debut with, as a whole.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I must say I've not seen anything previously of of his so this first time seeing his, his stuff so yeah uh, and yeah thumbs up
0: absolutely he's uh he's got a stamp on the season as well he's directing episode one three five and six i think of the season so um he's got most of the episodes uh, and again Puts his stamp on it from uh, from his perspective too. Um, The episode was written by Jeremy Slater, mentioned as an executive producer before. Uh, he is the creator of Moon Knight for the TV show. Uh, he is the, the uh, that's what they call showrunners over here on Marvel. He is the creator of the show. Uh, previously, he created The Exodus and a show we've, of course, covered on TV Podcast Industries. Yes. He is the creator of Umbrella Academy for Netflix as well. Yes. So has adapted some dark comic book material uh, for TV before, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I Keep forgetting whether we can call Netflix TV or is it, just it streaming? is. It's hundred <laughs> percent. We watch I hate it on that term. TV. It's
2: streaming. <laughs> we... I stream yeah. everything. Yes. I don't. Leave, I don't have a line coming into my house <laughs> with old cable anymore. Everything is streamed.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> I do. We still have it. Yeah, that's what provides all of our no, stuff. You do well, surely if you've got Virgin. <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're getting into the intricacies of broadband yeah. <laughs> coming through a cable network or fiber network, but yes. I have the cable, I do not partake. I have the physical cable, I do not partake of the term terrestrial cable TV.
0: And I presume he's still, as the creator of Umbrella Academy, I presume he's still involved in Umbrella Academy Season 3, which is coming up later this year as well. And we will be covering here on TV Podcast Industries. So uh, looking forward to getting back into the Umbrella Academy too. Season 2 was significantly better than Season 1. So hopefully they keep that trend up and Season 3 will be fantastic there. And of course, we do have to give a shout out for the original creator of Moon Knight, Doug Mensch uh, the creator of, of Moon Knight, back in the 70s, uh, first appearance back in Werewolf by Night, uh, created as a, a foe for the Werewolf by Night, uh, Moon Knight. So lots and lots of people involved in the, in the show. John, do you want to tell us what they gave us with your synopsis for episode one of Marvel's
1: Moon Knight? Sure. Stephen Grant is a mild-mannered gift shoppist at the British Museum's Egyptology section, He takes the bus to work and generally arrives late. He enjoys the company of the living statue and lives alone with his fish, Gus, the one fin wonder, (laughs) in his apartment in central London. But things are not what they seem. Why does he wear an ankle restraint to bed? A potential red flag if he were dating. But wait, he has a date arranged with the attractive tour guide at work. He just doesn't know how that came about. And why, oh why, does JB, the security guard at the museum, keep getting his name wrong? His parallel worlds are about to get out of hand for Stephen when he wakes to what should be a Friday to find himself on an alpine field in Germany. A scarab beetle trinket in his hand, a voice ringing out in his head stating the idiot is in control, (laughs) and armed guards firing from the alpine schloss. Running to the local village for safety, he encounters Arthur Darrow, who is weighing the lives of volunteers from the village and passing judgment in the name of the Egyptian god Amit. Arthur singles out Stephen, but despite the blood on his hands, a revolver in his hand, the many dead bodies, the numerous (laughs) crashed cars, and being at the wheel of the buddy cupcake van, Stephen doesn't really know how he escaped the pursuing guards from that village. But with a jolt, he wakes up in his bed, in his apartment, and starts to get ready for work, believing it was all just a dream. But things are about to get stranger, as it's actually Sunday. His fish, Gus, now has two fins, he's missed his date, and back at his flat, he finds a cell phone and locker key hidden in his apartment. As he tries to comprehend what's going on, he investigates a noise in his flat, but finds nothing until his reflection in the mirror, called Mark seems to be talking to him. He flees his apartment, but he encounters a large beaked creature, the god of the moon, Konshu, in the corridor, and flees back to his flat for safety. Back at work the following week, things don't stay calm for long as he again encounters Arthur Darrow, who is looking to get his scarab beetle back, but recognises the chaos inside Stephen Grant. That evening, before finishing work, an ancient Egyptian Anubis-like dog tracks Stephen at the museum. As he runs for his life from the dog, he makes it to safety in the toilets. With the dog breaking down the door, Stephen's reflection tells him to give him control. As Stephen embraces Mark Spector, Moon Knight emerges and fights off their attacker. We got it all in this episode,
0: <laughs> didn't we? I, yeah. I, I kind of wasn't expecting to have everything in here you're gonna have moon Knight, of course because that's the name of the show but as the episode went on and the way it was being uh shown on screen i was kind of thinking that all we were going to get was just the flashes and it will be kept back for a second episode but getting all the way to the end and getting a proper bit of torment between our two major identities here and showing moon Knight as well i thought was i thought was really cool getting everything together it was a really really exciting episode
1: definitely yeah. this was this was jam jam packed um i mean I-, I thought this was brilliant writing and uh, TV making, mm-hmm. like, because everything was just done so well for me. Um, in terms of the, 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 the whole, you know, with Stephen, with Mark, with Moon Knight, all these three people inside the single body, mm-hmm. just, introducing everything and just the comedy. I mean, I actually, Stephen Grant, I really just enjoyed that portrayal and the accent. I know at the time of the trailer, there was, what was that accent? But I really loved his, uh, kind of, uh, kind of voice it was just really kind of downbeat um, and <laughs> I, I thought it was
0: really good excellent excellent well let's choose that as our jumping off point we will be t- talking about our three big points uh from the episode uh incredibly relieved. i think chris you, you came up with these ones our full moon points <laughs> our half moon points and our totally eclipsed points our top three points from the episode <laughs> our first point really has to be stephen grant doesn't it he is the central point from uh from the show so he has to be our, our first point doesn't he
1: he does. He does. He and then, is it strange that I want a Jaffa cake now? <laughs>
2: I, knew, I knew you'd get it. Yes. Yes. Certain people will get this joke. Um Yes, let's kick off with our full moon point of, and very much for me, this is the encapsulation of Stephen and the, the introduction of Stephen, the introduction of Mark, but this other person, this other reflection, and... Then the uh, disembodied voice of something, which we can potentially assume is the scepter wielding, weird looking mummy coming down the the alley, and then everything in between that this 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 introduction because I, I wanted to take this point as episode one, as in I am new to Moon Knight, I, I am new to because uh, to be fair. He's a bit of a deep cut. He's not a Spider-Man. He's not a Batman. He's not a, he's not a, like, he's not a, he hasn't been on lunchboxes, uh, for kids (laughs) for years. He's been sprinkled into one or two cartoons over the years, Mm -hmm. but he's not, I would dare say, he's not been a kind of front and center character for a lot of people to say the general audience who are slowly coming into what some of the rest of us within the comic, kind of comic book fandom have known and the, the rosters of different Avengers and kind of Midnight Suns and things like And the Jeff Lemire runs and he's definitely picked up in what I would say popularity over the years. Um, throughout some of his comic book kind of iterations and the writing, which is fantastic, and we can talk about that. Or you can go on over to Into the Night, a Moonlight, or The Moonlight Podcast, uh, which is a friend of ours, and he has gone through all of them, and you can listen to their thoughts. But I wanted to dig into how they portray and how they bring an audience who probably know very little about this, mm-hmm. and I've just watched the trailer, on this kind of... you're You're introduced to this kind of bumbling... I think bumbling is a good term. It's kind of like, kind of very bumbling, kind of low, quiet shop assistant who knows huge amounts about Egyptian mythology, um, but is essentially a shop clerk in the the British Museum of, that's not, that's the British Art Museum, I think. That's not actually the the actual history museum. It's It's
1: the British Museum.
2: Yeah, it is. But is it the actual history museum, the the one that we see on the outside, the location? Because that didn't look like. Yeah, I thought that it, was... it is. Yeah. Oh, it is. Okay, I did. I, I thought it, I had gone in a different route than it seemed when I went there. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting to get this introduction to this mm-hmm. character. Who he's, the, he, I I I find it really hard to kind of encapsulate because I was really just drawn in by this. He is the proxy for the audience. Absolutely. He uh, it's a such a clever way of doing it mm-hmm. yeah. because he as all we're basically told is that he he doesn't want to fall asleep so you get the Rubik's cube and that great montage of him trying to stay yeah. awake. Mm-hmm. I love of that. This, this, that. And it was just so good because you're yeah. questioning along with him, and then only after a good fifteen plus maybe more minutes, weird things start to happen. Like, like I, I kind of like the noises and the, the, the kind of full-on missing time and just this consistent strangeness, let's call it.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, the, certainly, it's, the weirdness is set up from the, that opening moment when he wakes up and he's tied to his bed. Um, there has to be a reason for that. There has to be something going on from the beginning. But yes, uh, as other identities start to creep Awake in his mind as the episode goes on. I think it's really well laid out. You're you're following along with this guy Stephen. He's he feels like a, a very normal, natural person that you can identify with. Who's just going about his slightly mundane existence um and you feel like you can identify with him before things start to happen and you're absolutely right he provides a great lead-in for the audience for the episode definitely
1: yeah i mean you know he's he's very inward looking uh introspective mm-hmm. in a sense um as i say he's kind of quite sort of uh subdued um like i i just love that You know, his main point of conversation where maybe he feels a little bit freer is with the living statue. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I, that, you know, in and of itself, that suggests something odd is happening, uh, as well as, yes, the ankle restraints, Mm -hmm. the sand around the bed, and, but, you know that is obviously the big thing, but it's just how they then introduce it into his day to day. I mean, where you have the the tour guide coming over talking about the date this uh, the, in uh, coming up on on the Friday, mm-hmm. and he's kind of he just doesn't really know. And you know Donna's uh, saying, you know, you rascal, I didn't know you'd taken a crack, uh-huh. and so all all this kind of stuff, and and JB on the security desk at the museum, just constantly calling him different names. Mm-hmm. I think Scott. Hi Simon. Si- Bye Simon. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Scotty is another one. So it's like all, all these different kind of names. So it's just, it it's this world that's off kilter immediately. And yeah. it, it, it's, brings it off kilter for for us as the audience and that's just like really uh really good and yeah. i have to say there that living statue um all i could think of as crusty jugglers from um <laughs> from hot fuzz yes. but, but when steven is discussing the, this date that's that's happened is you know if I'm going to have a girlfriend at some point I can't have ankle restraints that's the definition of a red flag absolutely it was just really really good but it, uh, it is a one of the weird ones isn't
0: it where you've got like this guy is a uh, is a living statue who goes out and, and earns money by sitting still for the entire day but he does go home at the end of the day and he must he must be like that guy from the museum came over and talked to me for three <laughs> hours or for an hour during lunch, you know? is Are they friends that they had conversations after he's finished his shift or not? Or is this just literally Stephen talking
1: to a statue that he knows
0: is living and breathing? But that's <laughs> it. I
1: was thinking, it is, is this... I was half expecting the living statue to turn around and tell him to like clear off. And then I'm thinking, but maybe he draws the crowd to him, like the, the couple wanting the photo. Well, he did so, encourage them to
0: pay their, <laughs> pay their tip for getting the photograph with him, yeah. which the living statue can't do. Yeah. So. He really did. Yeah.
1: And of course, the other thing then it's things like Stephen's a vegan, but he's going on a date with the, the tour guide mm-hmm. to a steak restaurant. You know, Donna finds that strange. So it, it's all just a lovely off. Hilter, um, sort of situation that has been portrayed here through Oscar Isaac and through the the story, yeah. and I I thought it was a really good way of you know setting up what is really complicated with these identities that occur through this this first episode, mm-hmm. and 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 beginning uh, with 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 Stephen Grant, um, who. Is perfectly great comedy foil to the seriousness. It's that contrast that it brings as well. Yeah. Because he did make me chuckle a lot through Absolutely. this with, with what he did. I was really surprised at just how much comedy was brought in through what was, what was done. I really, yeah. really enjoyed it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And um, there is something really fun about that accent as well. I know we heard it in the in the trailer and everybody was kind of going, oh, why is Oscar Isaac, this American actor doing a really bad English accent? But they call it out the show everybody's like, what's with that weird accent? You know, <laughs> Why are you putting on this weird <laughs> accent? It's supposed to be weird. It's not supposed to be a real London accent. It's supposed to be somebody impersonating a London accent as part of their identity. So it's fine that it doesn't work. And I love that it's called out in, in the show itself. What's also called out is... People quite instinctively ignore Stephen Grant when he's talking to them as well. So yeah. he's not really heard by very many people around him. You know, he's, as I say, he's talk, talking to the living statue. So I, I think it works really well. Um, I love that Oscar Isaac took inspiration for the character from Carl Pilkington um, from An Addict Abroad. <laughs> yeah. He's a character who's funny and doesn't know he's funny, is, is exactly how he was uh, described yeah. by Ricky Gervais, who cast him in that role effectively, that he is someone that is doesn't know he's funny, but is funny just by how he speaks, and he doesn't think that's funny. So, uh, you, you get pieces of that coming out in Oscar Isaac and the way, he, the way he talks. Not the same accent, of course, because Carl Pilkinson is Northern English, but, um, but he does have the same kind of style and pattern of speech, I suppose, which I, which I think, uh, comes through really well. Uh, yeah, love Stephen Grant. I think he's a great point of view character for the show. Um, I like that it focused on him as much as it did. I like that it, we didn't see the change in identities shown in the episode. Um, that we saw uh, him experiencing everything and then we get cuts for times when Mark comes out and takes over. Um, I thought that was a really, really good choice. It was
1: superb. And it made that chase scene. Oh, phenomenal. And because just the, you know, that the first moment when that happens where he kind of just rolls his eyes and there's the, 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 and and then it's back and he's got the blood on his hands Uh and, um, it's it's just really good, and it happens where he then ends up with the revolver in his hands, yep. and it you know he throws it at the car, and it has Stephen Grant. So this just it was just great seeing the the chase scene through, dare I say it, the the one finned wonder fish out of water um, <laughs> of, of, of Stephen Grant, but. Seeing the results of Mark Spector um, Mm -hmm. and Stephen having to then deal with that
0: um, was really good. And also a nice choice to have the link of the voice of Khonshu coming in over the top going, oh, no, the idiot's (laughs) back. Did you just throw the gun at the car in front of <laughs> you? you? Well, I don't know what I'm doing here. And, you know, I'm driving backwards. You know, I love I love that kind of uh that that use of this voice uh, that we we will see, I'm sure, throughout the series, uh, or we'll yeah, hear more yeah. to throughout the series. But I love that link of using that voice to kind of go that switch over between Mark and Stephen, even though we don't see Mark in control of Stephen's
1: yeah. body. And and it is conshu that Brings up Mark as the other identity uh-huh. here where, um, as he's waking up in this alpine meadow, um, in Germany with the castle, uh, in, in the background, he, mm-hmm. the voice says surrender your body to Mark. Exactly. Um, yes. And Stephen's going. What? Who? Who? You know? Yeah. And then waves of the gunmen in the castle as well.
0: That's
1: hilarious. <laughs> really, really good. It's almost like he's like, Are you Mark? Like, Am I <laughs> supposed to? Yeah. And well, that, that third voice, that, that, uh, the deep booming voice that Stephen keeps hearing is, I keep saying, is, is Conshu, which is the ancient Egyptian god of the moon. Uh, and ultimately is the, the god that Mark's, uh, specter serves. Ultimately, mm.
2: yeah, it's, it's just the, it's the the very elongated legged thing that comes yes. down the corridor towards them, um, and it, it's really cool. They they name him in the credits. They've named him in the the trailers. They've named him in pretty much everywhere. Um, but it's interesting. I I thought that as, as a we didn't get a, like as much as I was almost expecting a, a kind of exposition dump. Mm. Towards the end of this episode, like we get to the different identities talking to each other, very visibly talking to each other, like, mm-hmm. give me control, I'm going to do this. And you get then the disembodied voice of kanshu talking to them throughout the whole time as well. I was expecting a, a an almost like okay, here's the story. <laughs> so like it's just like you remember, like and Freeze. Yeah. Well, like you may be wondering why how I ended up here, uh-huh. and then just kind of like, yeah. we but, didn't get that, which is such an interesting. It is because it does make you wonder, like, okay, well, what is happening? Who is like what? Just why is that guy suddenly kind of wrapped in mummy bandages? I don't yeah.
1: get. it. I mean, it it, it is, but. Stephen doesn't know who that is. So oh, right. or, you know, that identity is confused by it. Yeah, so yeah. um possibly might may, may recognise it because he knows his uh Egyptology. Uh, as we see with the the great scene with the, the bored um girl from on the yeah. school trip. Like I guess maybe we all had that experience at some stage going mm-hmm. to a uh, another museum with school and just being bored. Um or not, I maybe. Love museums, um, and but <laughs> until the tour guide yeah. t- says, "Well, actually, they ripped their entire insides out through their nostrils, apart from the heart," and then everyone perks up yeah. because it was the 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 gruesome, horrible histories. I guess um, exactly. But uh, it, it's interesting. I I think it makes sense that they didn't name Konshu in this, and I just I I feel that the exposition in this at least from this episode in it was is actually really quite subtle i mean because we we have the we have Stephen talking about the seven uh or should it be the the nine gods of the any you know marketing yeah. have made a mistake here we see him reading the book to keep awake and uh sort of interchange where he's flicking up the, the Rubik's Cube where it talks about the rift between God and man listing the different gods on that page. So I actually think the exposition in this series might come quite subtly. Uh, and that's not to say mm. you're, go- you're not gonna get um uh something a bit more direct, certainly when um the identity of Mark Spector is on screen. Yeah. Um, and Well the point the point is that know? the point is that Mark
0: Specter knows the identity yeah. he seems to know everything that's going on. We don't see him very much here, but Steve Grant doesn't. So I would expect that we'll see Stephen Grant for the rest of the Learn season, it. learning yeah. it, investigating it, trying to find out who this is, what this is, what this entity is doing. Massively different from the comic books. Can't stress that enough. This is not Stephen Grant from the comic books. Stephen Grant has his own identity. Knows who who he is. Is a is Moon Knight. Um, so is Mark Spectre in the comic books. They're all their own individual identities. Uh this is not like the comic yeah. books, but this works really well for introducing a brand new audience to Moonlight for the MCU. I think it works so so good.
1: Yeah.
2: And by by the end of this season, this six episode limited series, not mini-series or series or very strangely put, well we can talk about that very quickly at the end. But um yeah, we will see. I fully expect he will be his own walking, talking identity by the end with his own understanding of everything. And yeah, um, like going on to become the Stephen Grant
1: will it be. be. It'll be interesting really to see how it plays out. Cause at this stage, I've got no preconceptions as to what will come because mm-hmm. of this first episode, I think for me is one of the best. Uh, marvel disney plus episodes first episode that I, i've seen actually and mm. um, and you know in, in a sense it doesn't have to deal with the shackles of the mcu movies uh, in the past so it, it is fresh and it's a new character so i i really you know i think it has that to to its advantage and um, yep. i think you know just what just to possibly finish off the full moon point um in, in terms of steven you know we've talked about the the third voice of konshu we we've seen um the the mark specter identity in in the mirror that that loss of time and and just the, those use of reflections um you know we saw the one in the glass case um that yep. was on on the trailer but the whole scene in the, uh, the men's bogs in, in the British Museum was, uh, was just really, really good. Um, I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah, just, I don't know what it was. Well, I mean, we, we've seen this before, you know, we, we have seen this The infinite reflection. The, yeah, look. this infinite reflection, but I think it's actually just to see it in a, in a Marvel setting, actually. Yeah. Um, it, it feels like, it just, it just felt really good. And just the way it was done and how, um, Oscar Isaacs is playing these two parts, I was just blown away by it actually. Yeah, it was really, and, really I good. I really, really enjoyed it. And,
0: and while we have seen The Infinite Reflection before, this breaking of one of the reflections yeah. to come out and talk directly to the main character who's still seeing his own reflections in the background as well is, is really, really well put it is. together. I'm sure actually it's probably quite simple to do. But I'm not a filmmaker, and they have done a great job with it here. Yeah. <laughs> really, really yeah. enjoyed it.
2: And I really hope we just see more of them, because I really just want to see these, and I want to see weird ones, and I want to see, like, we saw it on buses, we saw it, like, in the, the, the mirror, like, it's just, we saw it with the flicker in, the, like, it was a mirror, it was also then the play of light, with a flash of light. In the in his uh, bedroom mm-hmm. earlier, like it's just that consistent. Like they're gonna get fun with it. Yeah. I'm hoping um, because it is just such a unique. Now it can just become a very unique thing for this show. Yeah, yeah. absolutely.
0: Um, and a lot of the stuff is going on in Stephen's head as well, which allows you to to kind of play with it a bit. You know that there's a moment on the bus where he. Is uh, traveling down the street and sees country on the street. You know, it's that that kind of stuff isn't happening in the real world. It's happening in Stephen's mind. So yeah. I love that they can play with that throughout the season as as the season goes on, as we start to uncover what's going on here. Uh, I guess that's it. That is the majority of the show, as you said, Chris. This is one point to cover the entire show. So uh, let's talk about the other major character in the show. Really, our, our big yes. introduction to probably one of the biggest stars that I never thought I would see in Marvel. Um, Ethan Hawke playing Arthur Harrow. Yeah. Our, do we call him a villain? I guess we kind of call him a villain so far for, for the so show. Uh, he's definitely the antagonist of, uh, of Stephen Grant and definitely yeah. the antagonist for Khonshu. I, I
1: I would say it is a purity of ideology that may set him apart. Um, and, uh, you know, whether it's, ooh, I could crush a glass uh, at the start and put it in the sandals mm. to walk on. <laughs> Yeah. um which i guess doesn't seem the most comfortable but i tell you they, they really sold that shot though they you know did. He,
0: every single step that he walks and they've watched him for a long time you can hear that glass <laughs> crushing and creaking underneath yeah, his exactly. uh, underneath his feet
1: but i mean that's you know whatever about ankle restraints on a bed crushing up a glass and putting it in your shoes to uh-huh. walk on all day i i guess for me that's a bit of a red flag yeah. as well yep. and um i i guess it's the idea of the purity of ideology within Arthur, the fact that he is this, um, acolyte of Armit, um, mm-hmm. in on, on Earth, um, and it, I, you know, with followers, it's the charismatic leader, um, mm-hmm. so yeah. Th- yeah, this is kind of. This is kind of really interesting because i mean he he is the one in that German village uh, where he's effectively uh balancing the life of the person uh, which I thought was really cool with the scales on his on the tattoo on the wrist but mm-hmm. also with the pendulum walking stick with the two crocodile yes. heads yeah and um that it it's he's he's judging them. On behalf of Armit here, or Armit is doing it through him, yeah. You know, and he's judging them on their life now, but also mm-hmm. their life before and their life after. it's, yeah. it's So, um, yeah, the poor old uh, granny gets uh, a term for the worst. I, I, I just wish they could have dialed up the sort of almost kind decay, of decay. Yeah, I kind yeah. of wish they had just dialed it up to Indiana Jones level of, um, I mean, <laughs> not melting. not quite so e- extreme, but. I'd have liked to have seen her, her a little bit more desiccated than, than yeah. what she was. Yeah, yeah.
2: And I think we will. I, I think because yeah. that's when you were saying our 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 potential villain. I think th- if they had have been a bit more graphic, maybe not. I'm not. Again, we're not talking like face melting aspect here <laughs> of Indiana Jones. We're well, like, that would have been just cool, slightly though. more than her just going slightly, slightly off gray. And her looking like she just fainted and being carried off versus, like if they if they if they had have lent in just a tiny bit, I think that would have been very obvious of he is the bad guy.
0: Yeah, yeah, and remember, it's it's also the amount of time that's shown on screen. If you do pause it for a second at that moment that she's taken away, you can see that her life force has been drained from her entire body. Oh, she, she is. She looks like her skin has been sucked back. What I always find really interesting—we're a lot older than the target audience for a lot of the Marvel groups, I suppose, our Marvel shows. Uh, what, I, what I always find interesting about that is, you know, <laughs> Indiana Jones was a, was a movie made for made PG and kids, It was made for thirteen year olds. You know, it was never it was never aimed at, a, at an older audience, but for some reason those things that we saw in the goodies and Indiana Jones are now considered too difficult for kids of 12 years old to watch. Like, they're way more adult than I was at 12 years old, so I don't know why they can't watch them. But those scenes are in there. I suppose what's interesting about it is what we see of Arthur in this episode is all through the eyes of Stephen Grant. He's kind of dropped into the situation in Germany. He doesn't know what's going on. He has to kind of pick up bits of what Arthur's plan is. And interestingly, what Arthur's saying to his assembled flock let's call them is that he's not trying to create heaven on earth he's trying to create a better earth and as close to heaven before they get there but yes. realizes this earth will never be heaven so he's kind of indicating that a lot of things are probably going to have to change at his hands before earth can move towards heaven meaning probably he's going to have to kill a lot of people is, is you kind know, of yeah. the way it comes across but that judgment scene is really interesting, you know. You wonder whether he is that unreliable narrator of his of his story and of of what he's trying to tell people. Again, you're only seeing it through this moment with Stephen, but he effectively judges one person that comes up to be fine, no problem at all. You're a great person. Off you walk this elderly lady who walks up to him and says, "I want to be judged." He goes, "Oh no, I can see you're really good in the past, but maybe something that happens in the future means you're really bad." Bye, end of you. Bye, you're dead. You know what could she possibly be going to do and? the next couple of years (laughs) that would turn her into an evil enough person. He equates it to like Hitler and Pol Pot and stuff like that, that, that Amit would have judged as being an evil person (laughs) that needs to be written, written from the world. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not too sure whether it's just, he is using that as a judgment of people that are going to be acolytes for his religion. Is that something to do with that, that he's able to judge the people that will be able to be manipulated by him. And, Move on with his side of things, or is there a real magical power in there between
1: uh, him and Anna? Maybe she was going to do a big old age pension swindle from Maybe. the stage. Yeah. Um, you never yeah. know. Or never like,
2: trust never trust the wrinkles. No, it's ex- true.
1: Exactly. Or <laughs> possibly a bit like in Black Adder, you know, she's going to annoy people t- by pretending that she's deaf all the time. But there you, you go. Know?
0: Maybe that's it. Maybe that's enough Could to get the amethyst.
1: And um, I think the other interesting point with this sermon by Arthur, um, as Stephen arrives in there, is um, that when he's identified because he gets them all to kneel uh, by speaking Egyptian, absolutely. And uh, Stephen's the the last one standing up. Where and, uh, again, great a great little moment where he's like, ah bollocks, um, and then gets down <laughs> to try and hide himself. Um he does identify him as the mercenary uh, as well, which is mm-hmm. uh, uh, really interesting, you know, suggesting that he certainly knows who the other identity of Stephen is yep. and all for this battle um, for this scarab beetle brooch or, or trinket that um, uh, Stephen finds himself in uh, as he finds himself in the German Alps, yeah so uh, really really um that that was that was interesting, I think, and um also just he gives stephen just gives him way too much information so that he can find him again back in London, uh saying that he is you know he's a shopist, a gift shopist oh. <laughs> um as well, yeah. so. When asked, is he a mercenary, he's like, no, no, uh, I'm... I'm a gift shoppist. Yeah. Um, which I thought was really fun. Absolutely. Well. Oh,
0: I like that Arthur thinks that he's, uh, he's as smart as the mercenary that he's dealt with before and thinks this might be a, uh, a, <laughs> a cover up and then goes, no, actually it's quite easy to find you there. You, you are Stephen Grant and you are a gift yeah. shoppist in the museum.
1: But <laughs> it's <laughs> even as he's not able to hand over the scarab oh, beetle yeah. and he's like, I'm trying, I'm trying. Yeah. I don't know what's going <laughs> it was so, so well done. Yeah. I, I loved it. Oh, that's a physical comedy in there. Yeah. I right? yeah, really enjoyed that
2: And the- so on that physical comedy i'm i'm was not expecting that yeah. and it was so well done yeah and it looked like i with Oscar isaac i'm always expecting him to be the, the i i just for from everything else he's been i did not expect this his delivery on this in so far and what I've seen in episode one
0: he's such a good actor he's uh, yeah go check out X Machina he's absolutely brilliant oh that. yeah unfortunately a bit mis- a bit underserved in the Star Wars trilogy that he was in uh, should have been a much bigger character really a really good actor Um, if you have him you use him and I'm so yeah. glad they're doing that on, on in just this one episode of Moonlight already he's been yeah. Really, yeah. really really good but well. like
2: I in Dune alone like but then just I didn't peg him as a comedic Kind of actor. I've seen him in some SNL skits, and I'm like, all oh, right. Some of it was all right. Not, it wasn't like like rib tickling.
0: Sounds like an episode of SNL.
2: Yeah, and then this, <laughs> this really had me. I'm like, oh, he like, I don't care how many t- t- takes it took. This was just beautifully delivered with the. I'm trying, and like, whoom, yeah. Whoom. yeah, and the choice on the by the the director to. They did that piece where it, they center an item in the center frame mm-hmm. and move the everything moves but that piece stays in the center yeah so yeah. There, there was Steven was kept center frame, or at least was the the pivot point the the, the yep. uh, of the overall scene, so as the camera moved up, down left, and right, he stayed centered, so it gave that really fast. Quick action of movement mm-hmm. as a, from a scene perspective, yeah. kind of a cinematography, but also that just kind of dis- dislocation of a viewer because you're like, oh, yeah. I'm over here, oh, on the back, but yeah. I'm like just still focused on this one item. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, th- I think the other really good thing about you mentioned dislocation there is, is the fact that after this German extravaganza and, and the chase scene. It is that he just wakes up back in bed, and, yeah. and you know, you you can think, oh, it's just a dream, and they, they just take it that lovely bit further yeah. where he's eating his cereal and he turns to Gus and he says, "I wonder what fishies dream about," you know, and and I mean, it it's kind of just really surreal, but it it was a really nice way because it is like, oh, it's back to normal. He thinks it's just a dream and it sets up that next phase of uncertainty yeah. and, uh, just the, the confusion that comes into, uh, his, his world and from everything that happens, even yeah. that Gus now has two fins and he goes to the shop. And in effect, I think the, the shoppist at the aquarium. That's not a word. I right? know it's not, but the shop is at the <laughs> I just really love it though. Yeah. I
2: really want to be I just add the word is to anything <laughs> yeah, exactly. Profession. I'm a doctorist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just the she she gets it right. She goes, the fish is wrong, the clock is wrong, you're not right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Really good. I like some great lines in this. Absolutely. Uh, and, I,
0: and I do like the decisions that are made here by the director and writer because It is possible, if you're watching this for the first time and you're not aware of who the Moonlight character is, it's possible when Stephen wakes up after that whole chase sequence in Germany that you could go, oh, it was all a dream. Because the idea of him escaping in this chase scene in the cupcake van (laughs) when a guy climbs into the front to try and shoot at him, he's smashing cupcakes into his face. That could absolutely be a dream. That may not have happened in real life. So you could be forgiven for thinking when he wakes up here that this is all... This is all a dream, but they're going to set the story back in motion for you to show that this isn't a dream. This is just yeah. something that's going on in his life that you're going to have to learn as you go along. So, really well built up, really well put together. Great. Uh, I think we've already talked about the chase sequence quite a lot uh, yeah. out there. It is, it is an amazingly well put together sequence. I love that we don't get to see anything of Kanchu, but let's let's knock on to our final point, which kind of wraps up everything else that we haven't talked about so
1: far yeah. in the episode. So, we yeah. and pieces? Well. Yeah, exactly. So, let's get on to Total Eclipse, which. Mm-hmm. Is a total eclipse a t- of our hearts <laughs> exactly? Um, because we're, we're back in London, um he thinks it's Friday when in fact it's Sunday and mm-hmm. the date doesn't go so well. It does go so well, he's sitting well, there he, for, yeah, it doesn't go at all. Evening, and <laughs> she tells him, Lose my phone
0: number, mm-hmm. but, but she sat there two days beforehand, um, and had a steak dinner <laughs> on her own in the best steak <laughs> exactly. restaurant in London. I I have to say, this is, a, this is another huge bar for Oscar Isaac. His moment where the, where he does actually order a steak. He's vegan. Remember that was called out before. He said he was going to go there and eat bread, but where he does order a <laughs> steak from the waiter, though his delivery of those lines where he really doesn't care what he's saying and really doesn't care what's being delivered. He's just so forlorn because he's now unable to have the date with the girl that that he thought would would have been impossible for him to get a date with he's unable to have the date That it, it's like as if everything's passing over him as he's just saying words mouthing things at the yeah. waiter until the waiter eventually goes away and brings him back a steak and <laughs> so uh, i i do like how it's delivered they're really really good
1: yeah as you say we do get um he gets this moment where he sees and um, the the scratches on the floorboards in his apartment so he uh-huh. he suddenly finds uh an an old phone uh and a, a locker key mm-hmm. um i think i used to have that old phone it certainly looks very familiar and but very
0: smartly uh also including a charger so yes. we know that mark uh, does charge his phone when he is in uh, in control of yeah. uh, of the body uh
1: so we do <laughs> see the name Layla come up mm-hmm. Um, so we hear her voice we don't see her in in this episode yeah but in amongst all the lines and lines of, uh, Layla Miscalls, mm-hmm. we have Duchamp there, which, um, at least in the comics, uh, Jean-Paul Frenchie Duchamp, uh, one of his, his friend, effectively, and mm. um, like sidekick, it. um, hel- nice. general helper outist, <laughs> um, I guess. So, uh, okay. <laughs> potentially, I, I don't know, it might yeah. be going in a different direction for, for the series, but certainly, yeah. you know, there's that, little easter egg i did uh, like the note there cause,
0: yeah because it just it, even if it doesn't plan out anything i like that it's just one different name that called over the last few months because we hear that layla's been trying to contact him for months without him picking up on her so <laughs> so yeah I like, I like that there's just one other line in there yeah. and that's for do shop
1: and you know calls him mark even mm. with the stupid accent yes yes absolutely
0: well he uh, he went hello
2: <laughs> he did the, he, he, when in doubt, go dark and <laughs> gruffled. to the bad man voice. I'm Mark.
0: Uh, okay. Hello. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that, That's going to be really interesting. I'll be, I'll be intrigued to see Layla uh, as the series goes on as well, to see, see who this is and why she's been so interested in contacting Mark. Definitely. Mm-hmm. What else have we not talked about in the episode, guys? Uh, well, it's like obviously the, the, the
2: ending. Yes, the the big ending, <laughs> um, which I think we can potentially get into. Um, for me, this was fantastic. So yeah. Mark is cornered by Arthur, and he is told, as we said, he is told he is found with chaos in him, and uh, then Stephen runs away. He goes back to work when he does. this really like when you've been chased. Mm-hmm. You let's go three rooms over and just have finish off the rest of my shift. I was like, "Cool, all right, yep." That 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 is true. That is how mm-hmm. that would happen. Um, but
0: <laughs> well, Arthur does say leave him alone. He does. He doesn't yeah. say he doesn't send anybody to chase him down. There is that weird bit that effectively he's realised that uh, some of the patrons in the museum and some of his co-workers are also acolytes for arthur so yes. uh that would be weird going back to work after
1: that uh hi hi jp well, uh, you're yeah, the definitely.
0: Guard. uh you're one of his
1: acolytes uh, <laughs> and also not only that yeah he went back to work after being sort of confronted by arthur again in the museum but remember he ha- he sees conchu in the corridor yes. where he sees conrad coming down the corridor it t- there's the old lady that then comes in mm-hmm. i like that that finished where the the, the late the old lady is going to her friends and is battering her door <laughs> to try and get in yeah um, like- not I a,
2: lost my contact. Sure, sure, yeah. yeah. I hope you find it. Let me in.
1: Let me in. Not sure exactly. that's your real
0: friends, but I also um, that the touch and the joke of it is that Stephen's trying to get out of the building. He's trying to get to the ground floor. She comes on on the third floor and brings him back up. Yeah, to the floor exactly. he's already left, which is a, a nice little gag too. Yeah.
1: And he and he's back in his apartment, and so like his life that has that has gone very very strange for him. So even him getting the bus into work <laughs> the next day is pretty and courageous of him as well. Well,
2: also, th- let's just be fair. London buses are not that big. So how he missed Arthur at the top. Like, Arthur just came down from the second floor of the bus. Or <laughs>
0: did he? And I think this is this is something that they're going to be playing with for us for the rest of the season, or at least for a few episodes of the season with Stephen Grant. I don't think Arthur was on that bus at all. Um, In the same oh. way that he saw Conchu outside the bus, as the bus rode by, I think yeah. he, he sees Arthur there. No one's lips move and that didn't sound like Stephen Grant's voice, um, saying those words while Arthur was on the bus. Yeah. There he is. So, um, I think potentially astral projection. If we, if we pull it into Doctor Strange, or potentially it's just a figment of Stephen's imagination yeah. because he's feeling that pressure of being chased. And um,
1: there is the moment where he's at the museum, I think he's speaking with Scotty, Donna's giving him hassle because he's late again, and he's like, hang on a minute, you were on the bus, and he follows a completely different person. Yes, he does. Um, who's not, certainly doesn't look like Arthur. Yeah. We don't see him change into Arthur, yeah. even though that might be the case. He
0: certainly has a lot less hair than Arthur.
1: Yeah, but yes. it's, yeah. and he's shorter yeah. and a little rounder. Yeah. So I think it could be, yes, the, there's some, as you say, some type of astral or mythological projection. <laughs> mythological or, projection. and like um, you know, I guess spiritual domain, I yeah. guess, in, in this yeah. um that that's happening. Yep. Definitely.
2: We we then get the the confrontation and then we get the, the souvenir closed down and we get the Anubis like dogs? The yeah. the the dog like um essentially beasts uh, that have been howling and skittering away and <laughs> um, they they, they chase him. They chase him and they chase him good. Mm-hmm. And we don't get a full look. Uh, we get like glimpses. Like we don't get the, that kind of like shock and awe look. And the, I, I, I preferred that. Yeah. It's much, and we it's get much the scarier, same. isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. Yeah, I mean, much scarier. And again, it's, it is through Stephen's eyes. He's not going to stop look at this thing, he's going to run for his life yes. away from it. Yeah.
1: I like that it's all sort of the the precursor to all this is him hearing the sounds of a dog. And he's like, hear, hear, doggy, doggy. He thinks yep. there's a dog lost in the museum. Uh, and then you know, he sees it and he's like hiding and then he's running for his life. Yeah. And um, again, Really good. I was kind of getting little flashes of uh, Rick Moranis' character Definitely. from the original Ghostbusters when the ter- yeah.
0: terror dog is after yeah. him, where he's like, here, doggy, doggy. You know, <laughs> yeah. kind, of, kind of had that feeling with yeah. Stephen Grant as well, because he's, he's not expecting something bad to happen here, and that's why the horror moment works well, or the yes. jump moment works well when it's this, uh, this Egyptian dog coming out after him. Really cool. Really cool. Uh,
2: and then we get the, the the scene in the toilet, which we, we've, we've kind of discussed, the, the, the requisition the relinquishing, excuse me, of the requisition by Mark and the relinquishing by Stephen of uh control. Mm-hmm. And we get a slightly off slightly off kilter kind of transformation. So you don't see the full transformation, but we do get that closing scene at midnight, of yes. beating the hell. mm mm-hmm. Turning his white bandages red or whatever color a dead dog, a like god monster has whatever blood they have mm-hmm. um yeah that that looked cool okay yeah. so yes
0: let's let's talk about it we uh, yeah. we We very rarely get the actual m c u costume of a of a character in the first episode of a show, but here we have it right here yeah. at the end of this episode. What do you think of the Moon Knight costume?
2: It's cool. Mm-hmm. It's a it's different. It's it, it's a more mummy ish take. It is also buff. It is Captain mm-hmm. America level. Chris Evans buff. Yeah. Um. I. It, it's very broad shouldered. Um.
0: I didn't think it, that. I, I I genuinely thought it just felt like Oscar Isaac. Um. It felt like his size. It felt like he's a little bit of a bigger kind of uh kind of person. So maybe Oscar Isaac
2: said. is just buff is what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah. Oscar <laughs> Isaac is
0: pretty buff. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Um, uh, I know we had seen some of his, um, uh, in the lead up to filming of Moon Knight, and the, the pre-production, we had seen some kind of leaked, or I don't say leaked, released image, Im- like videos of him doing fight choreography. Yeah. And he had, like, we, it was that kind of, oh, he's MCUing up. He was, like, getting shredded. Mm-hmm. Um, And it just looked to me like he was so shredded in that costume. Yeah. And I suppose the, the 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 contrast is going to be when we see the different identities of Moon Knight, Mark, and Steven. When we uh, or whatever, when we see the three of them, like it will be because we know they're played by the same man. Uh-huh. So it's going to be interesting to see how they carry because Stephen carries himself with his shoulders up and a very yeah. small kind of frame.
0: I was going to say, actually, that's one of the things that worked really well here in that scene in the bathroom because we have, um, Stephen Grant in the same clothing that you see Mark Spector yeah. in. And that's the first proper look. You've seen a few uh, glances of Mark in the mirror in, yeah. in his house, but this full view of him wearing exactly the same clothing, but standing much taller and standing much more proud much further, while he's talking uh, exactly. to him, yeah. saying, I've got this in control. Don't worry about it, Stephen. You step back. I've got this. You know, he's, he, he does feel much more heroic and he's got his, proper american accent as well he's not talking in that in that uh method that the stephen grant is talking in so um so he does feel like a different character already in just that one scene Uh, i'd be really interested if we got a future episode that revisited those moments that were kind of cut from this episode the moments where stephen blanks out and mark takes over if if we get a future episode where we see it from mark's perspective of what he's done in that escape from germany i think that would be really interesting to see
1: that would be, oh, that'd I, be cool yeah um, that would be interesting i think uh, for sure yeah. um i i think the whole moon knight costume mm-hmm. wrapping on like a mummy i think is cool as anything and i i just wondered whether i would have liked to have seen not to dislike the eyes being like that kind white. of white mm-hmm. And I'd like to have seen them if they were black. Um, in a sense, oh, okay. it, it felt because of the. I, I know, like the the aesthetic of that is white. Um, but there are the. I, I guess it's the playing with shadow, isn't it? A, a, a bit, but having yeah. them as like headlight lights a bit. Yeah, I, I, I wondered if it was less like that in white or with black or just a bit more play on Shadow going across the costume. Hmm. And so if you say headlights, I'd think moonlight. <laughs> no, no, I agree. I, I agree. It, it, but it, it felt like headlights. It felt like, okay. you know, you're driving down a country road and those sort of really bright headlights hitting you. Like, I don't know.
2: Yeah, no, I, I'm actually in agreement with you. I, 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 I'm hoping they explain why his eyes glow so bright. Like maybe it's <laughs> that he sees he sees through night vision and that's how yeah, it'll it, it be interesting to see because he doesn't in the comic book and it it's, it's again it's just usually maybe it's the flare up of power as he pulls in the exactly. night like just something to kind of it looked it looked cool but it will be. The, dist- it's going to yeah. be distracting as hell.
0: I liked it and so, I like, right. just simply took it as, as the moon power of some sort. A, a, yeah, a, a, maybe. Kind of yeah, touch exactly. That. Um, really liked it. But there's a great poster of uh, the Moon Knight costume full head to toe of the Moon Knight costume. There's so many great details in it that were not seeing on screen because it's moving and we've only just seen it in this episode. Yeah, I, lo- it's, it's, I love that there's Egyptian hieroglyphs going throughout the costume yeah. on, on all of the uh, the bandages that are around really cool. Uh, check out the poster as well. Um, I think that's overall the, the, the episode, but there's a couple of little touches in the episode that I wanted to pull out as well. Anybody else got some notes or, or thoughts that they want to pull out?
2: I've, I have definitely just a thought, which is the, the the choice to end like that. Is it, it's a it, it's a decision like it's just essentially it, it, it it's it, you you are going to oh here's what you wanted here's it's essentially as if you end with Superman just like changing costume about and just has just taken flight and that's yeah, it
1: you put there. yeah and it's a and great, great like,
0: choice especially for people who are watching Daredevil for the first time on uh, on Disney Plus they'll recognize that this is exactly what they what they did on Daredevil in the final episode of season one and you waited for. Two years for the next episode to arrive. What they did here was do it in episode one and went
1: here. You go. Here's Moon Knight. See you next week. Yeah, really choice. It's really good choice. Um, Yeah, yeah. it's a choice. And the only I've got just two notes uh, from me is around uh, Lady's Gators. um, Is who is on the phone there? Absolutely. Yes. I'd be really interested to know. I. That's exactly what I thought um, as well. And I didn't because Stephen Grant
0: is an identity, Mark Spector is an identity, so whose mother is it that he's talking to? Um So, I know the first conversation he has, or the first call that he makes, we don't, he doesn't leave any pauses, so it sounds like he's talking to a voicemail. Um He's saying, I'm catching up with you, thanks for the postcard. Um Gus is great, he wishes he was out there but he can't swim with only one fin." you know, uh, kind of thing. But it is a one-sided call. The second time when he's downtrodden about his date falling apart, he's he sounds like he's having a conversation because he's making up the idea that he has this girlfriend that he's going to be bringing over later. And he sounds like he's actually speaking to someone and answering questions. So I wonder who that is. It'll be interesting to find out. I'm sure we will.
1: Yeah. Um, And, and, The only other thing, because I didn't mention it, was, um, I absolutely creased up as the cupcake bounced down the (laughs) the road uh, at the end of that chase. I I just, for some reason, I didn't mention it whilst we were talking about the chase. Um, I just really, really enjoyed, (laughs) um, that, that whole, the whole thing, um, really of that chase and, the the seriousness the the danger yeah uh, and finally the cupcake uh bouncing down the road um mm-hmm. yeah uh
0: followed yeah. by the final destination ending of, yeah, uh, of exactly. all of the logs coming down crushing uh the uh, the people attacking Stephen yes a uh, really good really good fun uh moment to add that um i'm gonna steal this from into the night the moon night podcast hi ray um I just wanna steal a little bit of spectralation um from them. Um <laughs> because there's a couple of things that happen in this episode. Again, we're not talking about future episodes, we haven't seen future episodes, but there's a couple of things that are mentioned in this episode I think are you're gonna be meaning to pick up uh, as the show goes on. Uh I'm gonna give one without comment. Um when he's talking to the little girl and telling her about the um the ancient Egyptian practice of pulling out all their insides and leaving just the heart heart behind so they can make it through the meadow of reeds and go to their version of the afterlife. The young girl says to him, well, why are you back on earth then? And Stephen replies to her, well, I'm not dead. And then goes, or am I? And questions himself as to whether he's dead or not, because he has been having this weird life. Things have been going very strangely for him. So he's wondering and does question whether he's alive or not. So, uh, Leave that one there. Um, one other one that was in there, uh, Arthur's kind of explaining Amit, the, uh, the Egyptian god that he follows. Um, he says that she was taken down by one of her avatars, um, someone that followed her, uh, leading to a, an excellent uh, joke from Stephen Grant where he goes, Oh, Avatar, those blue alien creatures. <laughs> uh, and Arthur's kind of looking at him weirdly and he goes, Oh, do you mean the anime? Uh, so uh, <laughs> nice, nice little gag there, but really important. One of Amet's own followers took her down, uh, yep. one, her actual avatar. So uh, bear that in mind for yes. a, a future episode as we as we get those layers of the mythology that we're falling into here in the Egyptian world, or at least Stephen Grant's falling into. So.
2: Yep. I'll also call out the, the marketing snafu uh-huh. that is made that is called out where there are two missing gods on mm. the poster of the pantheon of gods on the British Museums.
0: Yeah, yes
2: a- artwork. And assuming that the, the two missing gods are going to be Amit and Kanju. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like yes. that I'm assuming that's what they're how they're going to kind of go, oop the two missing gods, because everyone's forgotten about
1: yeah, Exactly. Haven't. And that that those nine gods are the Ennead, which is what he's reading to stay awake mm-hmm. as well. Yes. Um, and that is titled the rift between God and man. There you go. Yeah. Very, yep. interesting. very interesting. But yes, that's uh, thanks. Thanks to, uh,
0: into the night, the moon night podcast for uh, allowing us to steal the spectrulation section.
2: I just will never name. be saying that word because I will always mess it up. Yeah, so would <laughs> <There> <laughs> I. Elation.
0: I might just record spectrelation and we can just use it as a yeah. as a little uh, a little uh, drop in, uh, so that you don't have to say it.
2: Or if Ray from Into the Night, the Moon Knight Podcast, wants to wants to record different variations of spectralization.
0: Ah, Chris, speculation.
2: Speculation. If he wants to record different variation of speculation, and just give us that bit, and we'll just put it in. It was just his, be his Aussie dulcet tones coming over the airways, going forward.
0: And one last thing from Arthur Dara's description of Ames and and what she used to do. Um, interestingly, she began punishing people who had committed crimes, and then began punishing people for their future crimes. So almost like the minority report yes. of the Egyptian, <laughs> right? and uh, understandable why you would eventually take someone down who was punishing people for things they hadn't done yet um, or saying things that they might possibly do in the future. Uh, it's a it's a great power to have if you uh, want to take down your enemies to go, oh, no, they're going to be bad in two weeks time when they do something that I only I know they're going to do. <laughs> so uh, so, again, important to to bear that in mind about Amit.
2: Yes. So another identity of Mark Spector and Stephen Grant is Tom Cruise. <laughs>
0: He'll get into the MCU someday. <laughs>
2: he just he just gets quite sm- he just grows like what like ten foot smaller.
0: Good stuff, Chris. Do you defend Moon Knight episode one?
2: I do very much defend. This was one of the the um, best opening series opening of a series in a long time. Mm-hmm. Actually, for me, it's right beside one division for that opening episode. Mm. I e it's just so strong, so unique, such a take, such a choice in everything. I.e. like the in this it is the comedy, the the, the zaniness, the, the the body humor, as well as essentially everything else, like just the, 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 the choices and they didn't bury the lead. They went, yeah you want a superhero costume? Here you go. mm mm-hmm. You want gods, you want craziness, you want black and white, you want mystery. Here you go. It's all there. And it's such a unique take. It is. It does remind me of when we watched WandaVision where we were all sitting around in this going, what did we just watch? Mm-hmm. Like, this is so weird and just so different. I'm here for it. And that was exactly how I'm feeling right now. That's
0: so, yes,
1: 100% defend.
0: Good stuff. How about yourself, John? Do you defend Moon Knight Episode
1: 1? Uh, Yeah, I'd really defend this. i give it five one-fin wonders out of five. Ooh, strong. Uh, Yeah, I thought this was really, really good uh, as an opener. As I say, it crammed so much in, but told it in such a great way Mm -hmm. in terms of the humour, all the different mechanisms and tricks for... Those changes in identity mm-hmm. uh, and the the nod to the spiritual realm of um, the of ancient Egypt uh, with the the third voice, um, I, I just it, it it felt like a mystery. You know, when you think of Egypt, you think of those mysteries. You you mm. think of of all that. It, this felt like a mystery. Stephen Grant was going through his own mystery because he hadn't a clue of all these things that were taking place, mm-hmm. um, and the action sequence, um, particularly that chase scene from the, the the German Schloss on on the on the mountainside. Mm-hmm all the way through to the cupcake bouncing down the road and, and the logs taking out the final two, uh, armed guards were, was, I loved it. I loved all of it. It was like, it it just perfect mix of the, the, the result of Mark Spector's violence and training with the, what the hell is going on of, <laughs> yeah. of Stephen Grant. Yeah. And, um, yeah, seeing the, the Moon Knight costume come onto Mark Specter there as he, he, um, asks for control, um, to, to Stephen Grant is, is just really, uh, really good. And I think all the supporting cast, like with Donna, with JB, the security guard, mm-hmm. with the tour guide, the living statue, yeah. the, the, the aquarium, um, shoppist, um, was, they were just, they all just filled into that brilliantness. So, I, so I, I thought, you know, the acting, directing, the script for me was just absolutely on point. So, yeah, five One Thing Wonders out of five. Uh, God bless you, Gus. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course as the Aquarian lady says you know we don't sell disabled fish um, that that Finding Nemo's got a lot to answer for <laughs> uh, I thought it was really really funny um, yeah. excellent so Derek do you defend Moon Knight episode one yeah absolutely they,
0: they nailed it um, as we mentioned we've been, t- we've been talking about the possibility of a Moon Knight for many many years now and I think this is the right way to do this character for the MCU, what a great way to introduce him. What a great character to be the avatar for the audience, let's say. Uh, Stephen Grant is the person that's guiding us through this. And it's great that he has no idea what's going on. Um, I like that. I like Oscar Isaac playing that role of an innocent person thrown into a crazy situation. But he's not that innocent because a little bit of a flash and he wakes up covered in blood. <laughs> so uh, so I like that. I, li- I like how they've set it up. The humor was something I was totally not expecting yeah. uh, going into this. All the trailers have let me know that this is going to be a show that is dark and gritty and back to the kind of level of the daredevil street violence. Uh, loads of fights with knives. That's what I was expecting. The show has a really good sense of humor. I was really surprised that the voice of Kanji was making jokes as well at the be- at the beginning of the episode. So uh, I'll be I'm really intrigued. Looking forward to seeing lots and lots more, five more episodes of the show to go on Moon Knight. Good stuff. We do want to hear your thoughts about Moon Knight. Please email us into feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with your thoughts. You can also pop on over to our Facebook group right now at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. There'll be a spoiler post up for each episode of Moon Knight for you to leave your spoiler-filled thoughts and chat with other fellow defenders about uh, your thoughts about the show. But we do have one last thing to do on this episode of Moon Knight. We're going to be having another pub quiz. This time we're heading over to the bar with no name.
1: Yes. Fellow defenders, fellow quizzes. It is the bar with no name. This, uh, this week for question one, it is a two parter worth two points. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, Yes, we didn't really see any drinks being quaffed, um so much, uh, other than whatever was in his uh, thermos flask. I presume that was a nice cup of, tea, yeah, a cup of tea, Yeah, a cup of tea.
2: No, no, he's a coffee man.
1: Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll say... Uh, British people don't drink coffee. It's always a cup of tea,
0: especially if you're pretending to be British and putting on a British accent. You have to be drinking <laughs> a cup of tea with a nice bicky. Right. But, but <laughs> no,
1: I don't think the bar with no name should really be serving tea. So well, let's just go with a... I, I don't know, a, a Tia Maria, that's kind of coffee type.
2: Yeah, or a, a Espresso, Espresso yeah. Martini.
1: Espresso Martini, yes. Okay. Absolutely.
0: I think the bar with No Name is much more of a, a, a dirty beer kind of I think it is as asked. well, probably. Yeah. <laughs> On glasses. A, 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 warm, kind of <laughs> uh,
1: a warm bitter, just to keep maybe the London pub uh, theme running through it as well. There you go. Absolutely. And if you haven't participated
0: in one of our pub quizzes before, this is how it works. We're going to be giving out one question each episode for the six episodes of Moon Knight. Put all the questions together. Email us to feedback at com with all the correct answers or as many of them as you get. And we will be giving away some Moon Knight goodies for the fellow defender who has gotten the most questions right. Yes. If there are multiple people that get the questions right, they will be going to a hat and we'll be uh, giving away to one random winner of the people who've got most correct. But there will be one question every episode. John's going to give you
1: the first question right now. Yes. So question one. What steak does Stephen Grant order and how does he like his steak cooked? And this is from Stephen's perspective. What does Stephen order? Not what the
0: waiter thinks Stephen ordered, right? Definitely. Very important. So, two things there. Two points for this one, two part of this week. So, uh, get both of them right and you get two points. John, do you want to give the question one more time? Sure.
1: What steak does Stephen Grant order, and how does he like his steak cooked? I like it. Loved the scene. Uh, Excellent stuff. Thanks so much for that. Uh, Look out for those questions.
0: You can also go over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. I'll have a post up there, which will have each of the questions after we've released the podcasts. But this is the first place to get them. Let's say that. Always. Thanks so much, fellow defenders, for joining us uh, for this week's episode of Moon Knight. We are also covering Star Trek Picard every week on uh, on the podcast here. Um, you can join us for that. I'd love if you also subscribed to the podcast at tvpodcastindustries.com or you can subscribe to us by looking for TV podcast industries on any consue-supporting or Amit-supporting podcast player. Indeed, hey,
1: yo. you can also support us monthly um, over on Patreon.com forward slash TV Podcast Industries, or you can support us with a one-off donation where you can pop on over to BuyMeACoffee.com forward slash. TVpi or as Derek said you can support us by subscribing and sharing the podcast remember sharing the podcast is sharing the love absolutely this episode of TV
0: podcast Industries is brought to you by our supporters over at patreon including Andrew Davis thank you so much Andrew and thank you everybody else that's been supporting us over on patreon
1: yes thank you Andrew for supporting us uh, really appreciate it mm-hmm. yeah
2: yes thank you so much Andrew really appreciate it and thank you to all of our supporters absolutely. over on patreon.com
1: mm-hmm Yes, thanks to all the supporters. Whichever way you support us by, it's really very, very much appreciated.
2: But with that, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, country supporters, Egyptian gods, uh dead mummies and everything in between. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us for this discussion on episode one of Moon Knight, the limited series on Disney Plus. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe and we will be back same moon tonight. Channel, same Moon Knight
0: time uh-huh. next week. Uh-huh. Oh, we almost got through an episode without the same old raggedy joke being pulled out. I... Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next time. Hope you've been enjoying Moon Knight. Yes,
1: thank you. Bye. Yeah, thank you so much, fellow defenders, for joining us. Remember, keep watching, keep listening, keep defending, and latest skaters. Bye. boy.